Hey folks, it's Mike Casey here, and you're listening to Digging Those Ditches, the weekly ramblings of an Irish archaeologist. Hey folks, how are you? And welcome to another episode of Digging Those Ditches. Uh, I've been fairly busy over the last week or so, uh, my accommodation for work fell through so I had to get that sorted and also I'm moving out of my apartment at the moment so the place is a bit of a mess uh, just getting ready to, to move out so life's been kind of getting in the way uh, as a result I haven't had time really to research any specific topic but luckily uh, Tommy Delaney was over at the weekend and we, we took some time to have a chat and uh, and that's going to be the main topic of today's show is just me and uh, Tommy chatting away so I hope you enjoy Tommy tells us all about his travels around uh, around County Mayo as mm-hmm. while he's been out injured from work. Uh, he messed up his shoulder a few weeks ago there. Um, you know, I love chatting to Tommy and you know he's a good guy and it's always a good laugh when he's around. So I hope you'll uh, hope you'll indulge our our brief opening uh, opening talk about uh, the Mayweather McGregor fight the previous weekend. You know, we just felt we had to have a chat about it and I just decided to leave it in. Uh, for any sports fans that are out there. Uh, so, anyways, without further ado, uh, here's me and Tommy Delaney. Welcome to Digging Those Ditches, folks. All right, Tommy's back. Good to see you, lad. What have you been up to? Nothing. We just start. We get the fight out of the way first. Oh, right. Okay, we're going to talk about the McGregor, uh, the McGregor Mayweather fight. And how his intro was drenched in Irish nationalism. <laughs> well, they actually messed up the intro. Did they? Yeah, because the servers were down in Florida and in another state for the pay-per-views. So they were 15 minutes apart. Now, I don't, I, I don't think any either of them was waiting in the ring, but they had to wait a while before they could even walk out. Like, so, the, so there was a very different sort of a mood in the crowd while they were waiting for the fight to start. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and and then for the walkout, usually they let the Sinead O'Connor bit play, and then it goes into the notorious GI or the notorious BIG bit, and then he walks out. But they messed it up in some way, and he didn't come in in time for it. Yeah. But um. What's the thing of the fight though? I thought he'd done us off proud. Yeah. Well, no, no, I think he did well. Like you could see, he ran out of ran out of energy after round six or so. Yeah. He could start to tire, but you know he landed a landed yeah. a few. He worked hard, so. Ended a few when you worked hard, and it was frustrating. Like people are saying, people are saying, oh, um, Floyd intentionally went out like that, you know, just to tire him down. F- fair enough, he probably did. Like you know, a smart boxer, he'd take him into the later rounds, yeah, whatever. Exactly, like that. But that's what Mayweather is known for. That's his. But regardless, Mayweather doesn't like being hit in the head. Yeah. So like, fair play to McGregor for landing the shot. There was a few times, as the boys said though, that he was about to catch him, and if he just like lift him onto the floor, nearly like. The lads yeah. were noticing that, like he kept grabbing around the waist, and he was. Oh just, yeah, like, yeah. He looked like he was about to just catch him and yeah, throw him to the ground. Like. And the worst thing about it then was that he was burning twice as much energy trying to do that. And yeah. there was, you know, there was no steam in those punches, like the downward ones. The yeah, yeah, he's on top of the, the head, yeah. the rabbit punches. Like he's burning twice as much energy trying to do it. Yeah, um, I was just laughing at the referee. Connor, stop that! Stop that, Connor. <laughs> Anyways, as you said, he, he he did us proud. I think so. Yeah, he done us awful proud. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't upset at, at the loss, but no. at the same time, yeah, uh, as you say, he, he did well. So yeah. So what have you been up to? 
I've been off work for six weeks. Yeah. How was the shoulder? All healed up. All healed up now. Starting back work again Wednesday. Mm. Um, what have I been at? Doing a good bit of touring. Good bit of travelling around now. I was up in um, North Mayo. Yeah. Uh, sure. what, were, what were you doing there? Myself and the lads. We started off in... We started off in Ballina, drove to Lacken, went to see Lacken Strand. Basically, sort of done the Wild Atlantic Way. Just wanted to see a few sites in North Mayo that we wouldn't usually see. Yeah. Um, went to Lacken Strand. Very good. You know, they have horse races there. It's, it's about it's about three or four kilometers of just sandy beach. Yeah. It, it's, it's the coolest thing. It's just lush sand for ages. Yeah. And they do horse racing up and down there. And then they have another site... Um, up from it, it's called Lacken Hill. It's very nice, but I didn't get to hear any of the history or anything. It's actually poor enough laid out for signs and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you know? Um, I suppose I probably want so, to be bringing a podcast or something around with me to let me know all the details and sites. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the one out in Rindoon. Do you remember the one out in Rindoon? You can listen to to. Oh, the boys had the yeah the audio guys. The audio guys. What are they called? I can't remember that company. I I, I get the name of them and actually. Give them a, plug them on this. Give them yeah. an old plug, yeah. And from there then, Lacken Hill, we went to um, Down Patrick Head. Do you know that place? I don't know. I wouldn't know Mayo that well, but it's... Yeah, it's, it's like... Um, I don't know where people are allowed in it. You kind of have to get like a visa, don't you? Oh, yeah, you do. There. Yeah, it's actually a foreign country. You have to go to the embassy. Yeah, you have to wait until the football turn is over just to... And then you can go. The hostilities. Um... But uh, yeah, so it's like um, it's like a peninsula jutted out, and there's a sea stack off it. It's called Doom Brishta. Yeah. Oh, it's very good. They have one of those Era sixty four signs. There's, there's another one in Donegal. I'm not sure what the sixty four stands for though. I think it might be a line of latitude or longitude. Yeah. But it was for World War Two. Oh, Do you know this? No. It's on. for the planes and they fly over. Or oh, they do it was a uh, uh, reference point. I've showed him up about war twice on the yeah, road. So really it's horrific. <laughs> but yeah, the same site. It's like um, stones laid out in the ground. Yeah. It's a big, big site. And it just says ERA 64 written on it so that when the planes are flying over that they'd know that they're flying over. Oh, right. Right. Yeah, just a reference point. Like. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then they have um, a sea cave then cutting the whole way across the headland. Yeah. It could be a stretch of a mile or so maybe. It's, it's massive. Yeah. And on one part of it, um, above the above the blowholes, you can there's steel girders laid across and mesh, and you can walk on top of it yeah. and then look down into it a massive Jeez. drop. That's fair. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, by the way, um, Alison's here as well, my wife. Hello. Okay. Uh, go on, sorry. From there, then went on to the Cage of Fields. Yeah. You know about the Cage of oh, Fields. Well, I've heard of them. Yeah, like they've I've come across them amazingly having shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's the oldest field system. It isn't war now. I don't have to teach you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't school me. Yeah. Uh, speaking of war, actually, just uh, do you remember Noel, the, the GI yeah. guy? That yeah, was yeah. Thing. He was telling me a story before. I think it was his grandfather during the war. Uh, he said that, I don't know, was he in the reserves or something like that? But uh, he was on about this German Heinkel bomber that crash landed on a beach down in Waterford or somewhere like that. But... Uh, the boys like stri- they blew up the plane or, or like they took the machine guns out and started riddling it like put a bullet like trying to blow it up like just yeah. to get rid of any not the evidence necessarily because they didn't want the Brits ripping it apart or the Irish ripping it apart and sending all the parts to the Brits because then they could reverse engineer it. Yeah, so yeah. the boys were there taking pot shots at it with the machine guns and this cop came along because somebody reported it 
and there was some fire so uh, some Irish like a guard just kept shouting and seeing these Germans shooting the plane on the beach and he scarfed back and got the army so the army had to come in it was like the, the Germans surrendered straight away they were yeah. like you know uh, they were taken to the internment camp in the courage or that's where the internment oh, camp was uh, but on the way they stopped and stopped at the pub and brought the Germans in for pints that's great <laughs> but that's... He, he said it was cool he said one of the one of the Germans, and I think it was the same guy actually ended up coming back to Ireland after the war and settling here. He said that he is he didn't drink, so he ordered a pint of milk, and the boys were fairly bound about this because, first of all, you know he didn't have a pint with them, and second of all, the fact that milk was probably more expensive. Yeah, there was no the refrigeration. Time, <laughs> yeah, it was more expensive at the time than the pint of Guinness. So the boys were highly insulted when the German lad ordered the pint of milk oh, in the pub. Your man was probably sickened because the cow had been milked since six o'clock and they already <laughs> sent it off. <laughs> the barman was probably sickened. Well, uh, anyways, yeah, you're on with Cajun Fields, so oh, you're yeah. up there. The yeah. oldest field system in, in Europe, anyway, definitely found. Yeah, yeah. It, it, honestly, man, some of the facts about it. Mm. I Like, it wasn't a great day now I went up. Like, I, I, I was walking around, I couldn't even see much when I was out in the bog to have a look around. But just the actual story of it, it's, it's Ireland's first evidence of farming. Yeah. You know how we have sites like um, Ferreter's Cove? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what we're oldest more sites. habitation sites like that's what we've evidence from yeah so that's our first and even say the site at Brunaboinia the Ben the Boyne sites yeah they're they're all evidence of people living off water yeah and we could say like seafaring and maybe even foraging yeah and whatnot but this is this is evidence of like people who are here to stay they they were set up to looking forward to sustainability yeah. Site is three thousand BC, which is very, very hard to even imagine that the landscape that's there now is just bog. Yeah, it's just, just absolute bog. But about I think it could be a meter and a half down below. You 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 count back what five thousand and seventeen years um, down through the bogs. You have a field system. Uh, walls, everything, the whole lot, yeah. all laid out for proper agriculture. But the the people would have just had to have came ashore, cut down the forests, cleared back yeah. enough of an area, and they used the natural falls of the hills to drain the land yeah. and set up their own systems. Yeah. And one thing that it kind of like spurred me on was where were the people coming from? They like I wouldn't say they were advanced, but they were equipped. To survival in yeah. some way in a large scale yeah. they knew what it meant to to hold a thriving community yeah exactly like they obviously had some sort of uh, they had some sort of knowledge of how to already lay out these field systems yeah like it doesn't seem like a, the cage of fields doesn't seem like a trial and error sort of thing it's just <laughs> like they came there and set this up rather than like yeah you know there's no kind of evidence that there was that was the 15th attempt that they made at setting up this field system, it seemed like they came yeah. and put it in place fairly, fairly quickly. Like, or not, well, I don't know how quickly they put it together, but they definitely it was in and it worked, it was yeah. in one process that they managed to, yeah, put this together. That was the real thing that hit it home for me was, was like, right, we have other sites around, but we don't really have anything like this. Like, these, these people were on a mission, we could say, they were, mm. they were in the, they were in their survival business. And they knew how to make it work large scale rather than just, I could say, winging it. Do you know, like foraging and hunter gathering, you wouldn't get 
much luck at it today, like. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know you'd want to have your wits about you going. Well, that's because you probably have a farmer coming out with a shotgun because you should get off his lad. <laughs> Especially in Mayo, like. Yeah. <laughs> if some lads came ashore in a boat, they couldn't set up a farm. Out. <laughs> you'd be afraid of what you'd be picking. Yeah, so go on, it is. Tell me more about this, your adventure in the cage of fields. What is yeah, and then around... How was it discovered? It was just some guy that was... Yeah. It was his bog land or something? Yeah. They and he just found the stones and realised, oh, this is, this is something different because it was yeah. in such a... They just found the stones. They were they were digging down enough through the bog. Like, the bog had built up so much. Yeah. They were digging down through the bog. And then he realised the stones. And then from that, they, they stuck down, like, test... Um, almost like sticks they yeah. test them down almost like core isn't it yeah core down and then they could tell by the depth of it if they hit a wall mm. and then they could track mm. the depths of the walls you know by by how far they were able to put down the sticks yeah whenever they hit something like just yeah and it's similar actually because uh the site i'm working on now is a wetland site and that's kind of what we're doing to find the trackway we have little bamboo sticks and you know if you come to an area like you might have you might be scraping back and there'll be a little bit of wood kind of exposed but then you get to like an area where it's just the peat. But that's what we do. We just probe down with the probe down with the bamboo to see. And when you hit something, you know then you know then to dig down to that level and then come across another little layer of like wood and twigs and branches and stuff. So yeah, I think, I think you really like the the wetland stuff. Yeah, because I haven't been on a site like that yeah. yet. Yeah, no, it's man. This is my first wetland site as well. Like, is it? Yeah, it's different. It's 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 a lot more tedious. Is it? In the sense that like you know you remember when we were working in Kildare like you know when you're digging a ditch. You're going at it like you've got mm. your mattock and your shovel and your barrow and you're just mm. like you know, whacking it out as the the term on site seem to seem to become after a while. With this, it's far more it's far more tedious and you just you're just slowly that's grand. Yeah. Tommy's just opened a can of coke there. <laughs> can of diet coke. Yeah. Uh, he's put on a bit of weight over the last few weeks when he's off work. He's definitely himself <laughs> go. Like a championship next weekend. Yeah. Oh, that's mad as the match anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah, sorry, I keep yeah. interrupting you. Oh no, it's, oh no, it's good, I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, and like, I remember as well, even, um, we would have learned a good bit about the KJ Fields being from Mayo in school, like, mm. like people would incorporate it into history classes, but no one actually said to the class, like, I would have paid a bit of attention, no one actually said to the class that when these people came first, that the whole land would have been thick, dense forest. Mm. And from that, then, uh, from that then, the the land would have been able to grow grasses and grains and then it would form a scraw. So, like, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been as wet as it was. Yeah. And it, I think when I was learning it the first time, I just found it so hard to conceptualise the idea that it wasn't bog. Because I just know it now so much as just yeah, being just this wet, wet bog land. Like, yeah. I'd say it was a torture to ex- excavate as well, by the way. Oh, I'd say so, yeah. yeah. The man from our site, the man who was over our site, you know, from the TII or whatever, yeah. Noel, yeah. that was his first ever job. Oh, right. Was, the the, yeah. all right. Um, did you see our uh, our site was in the paper there? Oh, I did. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. Your dog? Yeah, the dog I came across. Uh, what did we call it? Oh, Sunstroke. That, that, that was what we called him. We said the weirdest came up with a name from. Tell it, go on, I want to hear more about this cage of fields. So they came ashore and they started clearing these field systems. Whatever. Came ashore, cleared off the forest, then they set up. They set up the um, set up the field systems. They had animals as well. From that, then like there was a house found, Ballyglass House. Do you yeah. know? I don't know. We we would have done a bit of it in college. It's massive, like Neolithic house, rectangular and all. 
Um, they have a template laid out of it. Actually, I shouldn't be telling everything in case people want to go there. Yeah. I'll I'll just no, say. No, 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 man. This is like this is what we want. Like, right. You know, I I, I, <laughs> I did the thing about Vinegar Hill, and I basically gave away you all basically. the information. But you know, I, I I don't think it's bad to give away too much information because as yeah. I said before, a big thing for me when you go to sites is it's once you're there. Like people can describe it as much as they want you. But once you're there and you feel the essence of it, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. I think it is. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of have to feed that first bit of it to, to know what it's, it's all, piece, all about. Pique the interest, like, and once yeah. you get there, then you have a basic kind of an understanding in your head. Yeah. You can kind of just be like, and then I think you get a sense of the place once you're there and experiencing it. Like, I, that's, I think it's very important to, to have a background so that, you know, so that you're not just going, when you go to a site sometimes, actually, what I think would be a little distracting, me personally, is the fact that you go there and you spend most of the time looking at these information boards. Or you spend most of the time listening to a tour guide talk. Mm. I think sometimes it's better if you almost know where the site is, what the site is, what it's about. If you know, if you know it all, and you have the audio guide in your own head, you go there, and then you have this information, and then, like I said, you go there and you see it you for see real it, in yeah. person, and you feel that just that sense that I believe. As I said, I, I've mentioned this before. Don't want to be too spiritual, but when you're at a site, I feel you feel like yeah. I, I do anyway. One hundred percent. Like I. I went down to Roscommon Castle there the last day when I was coming back from work and I just popped down. I hadn't been down there since I was working down there and I just went there and it's just Roscommon Castle every time. Yeah. It just hits me and I'm just like, wow, you can really feel yeah. the history in this place. Like, yeah, and I think that's something to do with people who just have an interest in history or archaeology. Yeah. You long to put yourself in the shoes of the people oh, who yeah. were once there and then, and then you respect it a lot more. It's... um. So it's only three euro as well if people want to go. Well, and that's, that's, that's a decent price. It's reasonable and you can price continue the, on. Price for coffee now these days. Yeah. Huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> and you can you can go across then continue on the Wild Atlantic Way and there's guided tours there and a film and whatnot. Yeah. But um, another spot as well, it's absolutely savage and I forgot to say it, the Hill of Allen. The Hill of Allen, I don't know. Why do I know that? It's... um. It's not far from where we were working on the site there in Salins. Um, down, down towards the Bog of Allen, there's, there's a little roadway up to it. You know how the landing hill there is so flat? Yeah. It's actually, it's kind of bad in a way that it's so flat because when you're driving along the roadside, the hedges are so high, you can't even get a view from your car. Yeah, yeah. You, know, it's like, you don't really see Allen, it's just so flat. Mm. But from the hill of Allen, they've built... Um, a 19th century uh, round tower on top of it. Not even like a round tower, it's like a watchtower. Yeah. And you can go up on top of it. So, so to picture it... You see the whole county <coughs> in there, isn't there? I think you can see four or five counties. You can see into County Offaly, you, yeah. can, see, you can see Dublin, the Wicklow Mountains. Not much to see in Offaly though, is there? I don't know. <laughs> I've never been. You've never been to Offaly? Uh, well, I've probably been passing through it. I just remember, like, wouldn't... Uh, I think it's, a, it's something I've carried with me all the time, but I remember my, uh, my sister and... My brother-in-law were home, and he's big. He was big into castles. He's an American lad, but he's big into castles, and he wanted to see like loads of castles in Ireland and stuff. And uh, we went down to Burr in Offaly, like you know, see Burr Castle and the big telescope that's there, or whatever. Yeah. But it was the worst rainy day. Just think of the most <laughs> miserable Irish rainy day going down to this castle. I know that's. And it was think. rotten, and the telescope or the you know the telescope <laughs> thing was closed. It was like you couldn't go into it because the rain was so bad. And it was just the biggest letdown. And since then, I've always held a grudge against Offaly. Like like yeah, <laughs> that is what it's now. Uh, that that's what it's about now. Mm. So go on, anyways. Uh, 
I, I, I want to go back to the cage of fields there for a minute. How, how, how long did they think it was in use for, Tommy? Have you any idea? <coughs> have it written down here? <laughs> Tommy's got his notes from today. He came well prepared. Oh, they don't know. It was uh, 3000 BC was the first settlement. Yeah. They don't there, know. There's no kind of cut off point. No. Mm. And I suppose it's similar to the sites as well at Newgrange. It's like the people who came and built the megaliths in Ireland, like we don't really know much about them. Anything that we do know has been attached to them by the Celts and it's been more sort of doo-doo sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. Um, that's actually, we're going to go real off topic here now. <coughs> the fact that we don't know anything about this, people, just lets me cherry pick one piece of Graham Hancock's work. All oh, right, this is great. This is Graham that I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast, folks. It's uh, he's actually a journalist. He's not a. His journalist, not an archaeologist. Yeah, because I, I, I don't think I made that clear in the last episode when I was on about his uh, his video. You didn't watch that TED Talk, did you, that I, I mentioned? I did, yeah. The DMT, Life After Death and Consciousness. I thought it was. Oh, yeah. Very, very good TED Talk. Like. Oh, yeah, but he has another one. It's called The House of History. Is the House of History Built on Sand? Yeah. And it comes up with a warning from uh, TED Talks. So yeah, I see. The, the, and, like, they're supposed to be impartial, but. Yeah, but this, this is what I. That's why I like, don't fully key into Graham Hancock's work. I've mentioned it to you before. Oh, of course. you're a fan of his, but, like, I find yeah. him very. Yeah. very in your face about it like he doesn't he, he doesn't tell you oh look maybe look at it another way he says look at it another way your way is wrong exactly yeah and i think that's it's far too abrasive like yeah. if you want to join the discussion you need to be less you have to you have to just accept that you know you know there, compromise there is, there is a, bit, a yeah. there is there is a dogma in place and you have to kind of work yeah work against it but you don't just attack it i don't feel i don't feel that's productive enough definitely like like we can all agree on on the slow and steady progression of the human story yeah we can agree and we can see the uniformitarianism the whole way through it as archaeologists that the out of africa come into the come into mesopotamia and and the wild emmer wheat growing and people realizing that they could get the wheat and grind it and make it into a cake and that's Mm. how they started farming grains and you know it just goes on and on and on and we can accept that. I love the way Veobad says they made it into a cake rather yeah. than bread. Like. <laughs> well, that's what it is. They would have ground it up, right? <laughs> they would have ground it up like that. Mashed into an old bit of a paste or a cake. Maybe a bit of water or a bit of few raisins. cattle blood. <laughs> a few raisins, a few um, currants. <laughs> Lob it in there. You a know, nice currant cake. It's a bite in hand. Uh, another well-made currant cake. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I can accept that view and... Whatever, but what Graham Hancock is saying is that there's a lost civilization and it was somehow more advanced than us. I don't get that. Yeah. But what I do get is that a lot of our human story has to do with rising sea levels, um, l- land that is definitely about 10 miles off at sea that would have been once used as farming for. I won't say I don't want to say advanced. I don't want to say the word advanced, a, but I just say a settlement. A, a, yeah, a, you know, just a, a civilization of people. Or a, yeah, civilization of people. People. And whatever their beliefs were, whatever building megaliths or cosmology or whatever, they brought it further inland to sites that still exist today. Yeah. It's similar to the way I look at it that there's that there's bush people existing in in the Kalahari in the Amazon and they're further inland and that's where they exist and all of our settlements are on the coast and we would call us the most advanced but if a disaster was to happen where with all the ice caps melting the the settlements on the coast where everyone is advanced yeah even though that could be that could be fake news like you know everything's fake news (laughs) 
and that we be the ones that'll be wiped out and it'll, the peop- it'll be the people further inland who go and fill out that civilization. Yeah. And that's something that I can take from the cagey fields and the settlements on, on Western Europe is that these people were migrating. Yeah. They were moving from something, but they also had knowledge from somewhere else. Yeah. They were clearly coming from somewhere else. Like, they, like That's the main thing we can say humans have been around for 200,000 years and diseases and whatnot would have kept our population in check yeah. but we were still around and and like our brains are pretty advanced and we think that this is the hardest or the easiest human society has ever had it but when our brains are forced to adapt and when we're put under pressure we can be really smart yeah. and really cunning if we want to be so why are we looking back at these prehistoric people and saying that they were stupid yeah but it's, it's also you know, because you know like education is like so much so much more to the fore now and like we we feel we're the most educated but we don't we don't definitely know that we're the most intelligent just because you're educated doesn't mean you're intelligent if, if, if you know what i mean by that mm-hmm. like, oh yeah you can be book smart and you can yeah you can learn all you want to learn it doesn't mean you're an intelligent person you know? yeah i've definitely come across a few of them in my life anyway oh, yeah, so same. But, particularly uh, in college <laughs> i don't know I don't, I don't know what it is it's a, it's a it's a breeding ground for unemployable people in college. <laughs> Honest to God. I think I think the way the ITs are going and the way UL is going is going to race ahead of every other college. Yeah. They're getting placement in. They're getting a different type of person as well. Yeah. Do you know, they're getting the more sort of further engineering courses, especially. You can you can go there and you can do a level seven. You well, can I, get 100% I, employable. I found, uh, I was up in, <coughs> I did that, uh, that Dig It, the Heritage Week project with my mate Adam. So we went up to Sligo IT where Adam studied and uh, he, he did applied archaeology in Sligo IT and that course is way more hands-on and way more about work-based. Yeah, I, I, and I just found like the interaction they're getting and the learning they're doing is, is so much different than the book learning that I did in NUI. I'm not saying it's any, it's any better, like that, that, that NUI is worse, like in fairness. Trying, I'm really not trying to insult any of the lecturers course, that are working up there, course. but like you know, these people who yeah. are in NUI are top quality people who know know archaeology yeah. back to front, like. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I I feel what they're teaching in the applied archaeology is it, it's fantastic, like and it, it as you say, it could actually put people ahead of people who are learning off the the dates and the different types of the different periods and the different types of yeah. civilizations and stuff. Whereas the boys in uh, Sligo are being taught more about how to analyze the evidence and how to mm-hmm. how, how to bring it all together, like I, I I just think yeah as you say I think the ITs are really onto something lately like yeah work experience everything based yeah. on work yeah um there's there's there, there's an awful lot to be taken from NUIG's course like like m- most of the lecturers there were so well spoken every single lecture was like a story you just be yeah. your hands would be out in front you'd be just mouth open listening to them because they're so good at it yeah but when i went out working with iac then i realized that like oh there's a different side to archaeology that i yeah, the good 90 percent of what i learned in college was of no use to me on site yeah same and it's and, and, and again that's just the way commercial archaeology it's is set up. the way it is yeah. uh, like the work has to be done and it's done in a different way and it's for people further down the line from us way away from the work that we figure it all out and and the lecturers will eventually come across that work and they'll yeah. work with that but it's 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 just two very different tracks commercial archaeology and what you're learning in college yeah, yeah. 
and maybe people who would stay on then would really aspire to teach it because it, it, it would be a lovely thing to teach yeah. you know like you're talking about history all day long yeah podcast you know i'm not yeah. smart enough i'm not educated enough or motivated enough to ever uh try and get a master's or a doctorate or anything so i'm, I'm quite happy to just you're, i'm you're, quite happy to sit here in front of a microphone with with friends and and my science for a lot of the time and talk about history so it's very enjoyable this, uh, this is my lecture yeah <laughs> well at least you're building up an awful lot of work experience like, I actually can't wait to just have a few years done now in archaeology yeah. and see see how things are panning out. Yeah. Do you know? Because man, look at it. It's 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 going to be good. It's going to be a great experience. And I've said it before, Tommy, but you have the makings of a fantastic archaeologist, especially within the commercial sector, because you're not afraid of work and you're just you've got a good head on your shoulders. You have the game. You know? uh, it's is is there any archaeology now in Canada when you go? Um, like there is, yeah, there is bits and pieces around the place, but we'll. We'll see how it goes. I haven't Definitely. really looked too much into it yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying doing the podcast, and you know, I don't want to be in ten years' time breaking me back digging ditches, or you know, if I do go to Canada and do it, I don't want to be living up in the wilds of Canada for yeah, you know, two three months at a time working up there. Like I want to, want to take my archaeology and my history and what I've learned in college and what I've learned working on the job in a different direction. Like yeah, that's why I like the podcast. It gives me an opportunity to build on it. Yeah, yeah. And at least when you're in Canada, then when you have those podcasts going, you have so many memories to recount. You're like, oh yeah, this day on site, that day on site, you know. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like probably for the next few podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be doing many over there, will you? Uh, over in Canada? Mm. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I'll keep this going as long as, I, as long as I can. What I'm going to try and do is, because myself and my beautiful wife here sitting beside me, we're heading off to Europe uh, in three weeks' time. So I'm hoping to get, hope to get a tablet and I'm going to go to sites over in Europe and hopefully record little videos and segments, 10, 15 minute videos from the sites and give you the history of them and just like let you see the landscape and the, so that's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah, so that's we're, cool. we're going to take digging those ditches on the road. Are you going to put them on Instagram? No, well, no, they'll be up on YouTube. Oh, I see, I see. So that's brilliant. I'll try and set up a YouTube channel and stuff. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I'm really looking forward because when we get into Northern France, you know me, I'm a, I'm a warmonger of a man, like, but I, I can't wait to maybe oh, yeah. visit a couple of the World War One sites, like go to Verdun and these sort of places. Like. Yeah. Where else did you go on the, your, your trip? You were saying you, you basically did parts of the Wild Atlantic Way, so. Yeah, from there then, um, had to cut a chart, looped around in the Wild Atlantic Way, went down to Ballycastle Town, Ballycastle Town, just, <coughs> the hardest thing for me to realise was that Mayo was one of the most populous counties in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And these towns, <laughs> yeah, and these towns, when you drive through them, you see they're actually built up a bit. Yeah. And you're looking around and you're like, geez, there was something here, but there's nothing here today. And it's because everyone's left, moved on, whatever. But even the fact that they're all ran down or whatever, they're still beautiful little places. Yeah. Like Ballycastle there, I, I was looking at it like, Hundred percent nicer than my own hometown. My own hometown is buzzing; it's packed with people. Yeah. And from there, then went on to Cross Malina, lovely little town as well. I I I'd never been in it. Imagine, and it's only about an hour away from me. And that's not like you, and that's not like me at all. <laughs> I've never been there. Never even played them in football. Don't know how, but um, yeah, went there. That was nice. And sure, from there, then you can go on a Lock On drive across the pontoon. Did you ever hear pontoon? Pontoon, no. It's 
It's a nice little place sitting on uh, Loch Conn and um, went back then to where I'm from in South East Mayo. And week before that, went to Tormachidi. Do you ever go to Tormachidi? No. It's, uh, it's actually on the border of Mayo and Galway. It's on the edge of Loch Mask. There's a nice waterfall there. Um, a few other sites you can see. It's, it's more so about the drive. Yeah. It's so scenic. It's in between two lakes. It's where Loch Mask and Loch Corrib meet. And you, you, you're kind of hashing and out of the Mayo Galway border for a while. It's a great look there, yeah. Irish, yeah. Irish speaking. Um, it's kind of Connemara esque, but the land isn't that bad. You know, the farmers are, are you know, there's, there's patches of green fields. Yeah. But like that as well, you can see evidence that it probably was once a populated area. You know, there's a lot of like settlements around. Um, houses and whatnot, but there doesn't, you know, there only seems to be the odd house dotted around. Yeah. And you can do that drive the whole way around. It'll bring you into Clonbur. Do you know Clonbur? It's in County Gore. This, this band holds, like, you know yeah. way more of this band than I do. Like, I, it's I, don't, I don't drive. Oh, so. yeah, God, yeah. Oh. Well, somebody go on a If it's on a, it's on a bus errand route or an errand route, I doubt it. There, I highly doubt it, man, because it's such random roads and everything from Clonbur. You can drive down to um, Conf. Yeah. Definitely, I would say, up there with Ballymore Eustace and up there with Ballymore Eustace and maybe Hollywood in Wicklow as one of the postcard towns of Ireland. Really, it's you know where Ashford Castle is. Yeah. Have you seen photos yeah. of it? Yeah. It's it's very nice. Mm. Sorry, Hollywood in Ireland. There is, uh, there's, there's a Hollywood in County Wicklow, and up on the sign, on the, or, or up, up on the hill, they have the same sign. Do yeah. that. Oh, they do, yeah, yeah. I'd never do that. Hilarious, yeah. oh my goodness. Mm. It, was, it, was, it's, it's, it was only 40 minutes away for, from us when we were in Kildare on that site, and I was, I was driving down to the Wicklow Mountains, just scoping out like I'd never been, yeah. and they haven't, they haven't ruined the towns like we have. You know they haven't built any industrial estates. They haven't. Yeah, they, they haven't kind built of added that sort of element to it. They haven't. The urban creep hasn't hit them. Creep, well, yeah. it's not that it's haven't that it hasn't hit them. They've just left it out completely. Yeah. Like like Ballymore Eustace there. You're just driving along little country road, and then you pop onto a main street. You you know there's no buffer zone of an industrial estate and maybe a, a big dirty secondary school and then a, a big apple green petrol station and you come in then it's just boom straight onto the street nice little village and same in hollywood as well um they're just postcard towns all right tommy we're gonna we're gonna leave it at that so and thanks for thanks for joining us and coming on the show again um i'm sure you'll be along again bye so. casey lovely to see you two suggestions before we finish up uh, today's show uh, first is a, a listen suggestion uh, I mentioned in the chat with Tommy about uh, audio guys that are available uh, well you should check out these guys uh, on ingeniousireland.ie they have loads of uh, audio guides for sites around the country uh, some of them are free and some of them you have to pay a little more for but uh, or some of them you have to pay for <laughs> you, would, you can't really pay a little more than nothing you, you just pay for it um so yeah they're definitely worth a listen and you can have a look through their catalogue they've got loads of different sites especially around dublin and the east of the country so uh yeah they're they're good and they're informative and they're uh you know you'll come across bits and pieces that you 
you mightn't have known about even sites that you might be familiar with so yeah that's uh, ingeniousireland.ie and my second suggestion is to check out and you know I'd say a lot of people have probably come across it already but uh, Crash Course History so it's a YouTube show uh, hosted by John Green and it just has a huge range of subjects and um, just from the Bronze Age collapse which I was watching recently there's loads about World War One, the Mongols the medieval period the Renaissance huge range of subjects and as the title suggests you know they're crash courses so they're little uh, usually about 10 minute videos as far as I remember and um, yeah they're definitely worth a worth a look you know you get some great great information well put together and uh, well researched so uh, yeah they're my my two suggestions for this week now hopefully next week I will uh, have a bit more time on my hands as I say I'm getting ready to move out so kind of nearly nearly all packed up but uh, and I'm also finishing up work next week because as I mentioned in the talk with Tommy again heading off traveling for for a while so maybe next week when I have a few days off I'll be able to research a good subject free and uh, you know until then folks you know enjoy yourselves and as always keep digging those ditches